Hello Christian, this is Papa Teach with this week's question. Is it possible for a Christian to stop sinning for one day? Let me say it again. Is it possible for a Christian to stop sinning for one day? Let me say flat out, yes. That and more. The implications of this question are staggering to me. When I think that there are people calling themselves Christian who believe they cannot escape sin, even for one day, to be honest, it, it saddens me. There are many promises Jesus secured for us on the cross. There are countless victories Christ proved are real through the resurrection. The, the greatest of these being our freedom from sin and a reconciliation to the Father, frankly. The power in the name of Jesus to heal the sick and overcome the works of the devil is not debated in Scripture. We recite them actually as truths. For example, in James chapter 5. At verse 14 and 15, it says this, Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Uh, in Romans chapter 6, verse 18, Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. And God tells us that now that we have been become freed from sin, right, that we should yield our bodies to righteousness. This certainly, this certainly signifies that we have power over our flesh, that we have victory over sin, and that we do not have to sin. Romans 6.12 says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. And when it says mortal body, it means your earthly body. That means right now on earth, not later in heaven. It says, let not sin reign, therefore, or let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. I understand, I understand that some listening have not experienced this freedom, and many don't think it's possible because of false teaching. But, but I want to ask a question. Has Jesus saved our souls and left our life shackled to sin? to suffer the torment and ruin that are the consequences of sinning. Because if you believe we cannot stop, then by God's decree, we will suffer. The Bible declares that the wages of sin is death, calamity, torment, all that stuff here on earth, not merely later on after we die. For example, in scripture, people are turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. <laughs> That's not a good thing. It's an agonizing thing. It's a corrective measure to encourage them to stop sinning, to repent. It is not an example of the victory of faith. Alexander committed enough sin to be labeled evil by the Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Alexander the coppersmith did much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20, Paul talks about delivering Alexander over to Satan that he would learn not to sin. By no stretch of the imagination, by no stretch of the imagination, is that a good thing, okay? But it certainly verifies that God punishes sin. He does not bless it. Whether you are a so-called Christian or not, he doesn't bless it. Remember, God is not a respecter of persons when it comes to judgment. 
Romans chapter 2 verse 6 says, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Now listen, Colossians chapter 3 verse 25 says this, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Every person will reap what they sow. God speaks to the people who think that they can continue in a, in, 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 in a sin uh, or in a life of sin, uh, claiming grace. This is what he says in verse six of, uh, no, in chapter six, verse one of Romans. Okay. As we look at it, it says, shall we sin or shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer in verse 2 is, God forbid. See, the person who continues in sin runs the risk of turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. This is what it says in Jude chapter 1 verse 4, meaning living according to one's passions, lusts, and sinful desires. In other words, they are carnally minded. And to be carnally minded is death, according to Romans chapter 8 verse 6. It is literally living by the flesh. And the Bible says, they that are in the flesh, they can't, they can't please God. This is what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 8. It is, it is taking the, the freedom and liberty that is in Jesus and using it as a cloak of maliciousness. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, and which also tells us to live as people who are free. Free from what? Free from what? Free from sin. Not using freedom as an excuse to sin, but freedom as an opportunity to demonstrate God's saving power. Amen? Okay, now using freedom also as proof of the inward work of Christ in the believer. If you're struggling in sin, don't be discouraged. All this is good news because it wipes away excuses and brings you to the true power of repentance. So just keep listening, okay? How can we experience the peace of Jesus, the peace that Jesus says he gives us in John uh, 14, 27, if we are still bound to sin, if, if we make no progress in righteousness and holiness? If sin still dominates our daily functioning, how can we have communion with God? Especially when uh, God says things like Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. What is the proof of our deliverance from sin? and the ultimate consequences of the death of the soul in hell if our daily walk is not changed. Are we not told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become anew. Let him, therefore, that steal, steal no more. Let him that stole steal no more. Let, let, the, let the liar stop lying. The fornicator stop fornicating. And as is declared in Ephesians chapter 431, and all malice put away. Let it be put away. Let it be removed from our life. In describing this new creature in Christ, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 through 24 says this. 
that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is not symbolic language or, or, or a spiritual metaphor. It is attesting to a mind and a life that is renewed, changed. If I was a thief and a murderer before Jesus came into my soul, and I and I'm still a thief and a murderer after being born again, what's the good news? What actually is the good news? Do do you believe that Mary Magdalene remained filled with demons after Jesus delivered her from seven demons? Maybe Jesus, look, okay, maybe Jesus can only deliver us from five out of seven sins. Not all, okay? No one can be free from all their sins, right? Not even for a moment, not for a day, not for a lifetime. The logic is... I have to be honest, this logic is not rooted in scriptures. Let's go deeper, okay? May God increase our faith. We need to understand that God is doing the work, not us. He cleanses, he strengthens, he keeps us. He empowers us by his spirit and word. Are you telling me, are you telling me, knowing this, that God cannot keep us from Falling one day, not even one day. Here are the verses. Listen, follow these because these may be empowering for you if we can receive them. Jude chapter one, verse 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Psalms 51 uh, excuse me, Psalm 56, 13. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling? That I may walk before God in the light, in the light, in the light of the living. Second Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Jesus prays in John chapter 17, at verse 15, and he says this, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21, the scriptures declare that the great shepherd of the sheep, he says this, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. If we believe his word and surrender, God works in us to free us from sin, to give us dominion over the flesh, to separate, sanctify, and cleanse us, which is the process of holiness, to walk righteous now. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure, to declare that the work in us is not powerful enough to give victory over one day. 
is to say that there is no power in it at all. Romans chapter 6 verse 18. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Romans chapter 6 verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Child of God. The Christian walk is enabled by the only true God. I leave you with this thought. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We're going to drop down to verse 10. It says this, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. I pray that this is helpful for your study. Remember in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct all your paths. Goodbye. This ain't hard feelings. Tell him this is only hard truth.